On this week's TribCast, we'll talk about Dennis Bonin's forced retirement and the political implications for the Texas House. But before we do, I want to thank our TribCast sponsors. Texas A&M University. As a land-grant, sea-grant, and space-grant university, Texas A&M continues a tradition of cultivating courageous leaders focused on global impact and innovation. And Texas Monthly. Willie Nelson, Nolan Ryan, Brooklyn Decker, Admiral Bill McRaven. They've all been our guests on Texas Monthly's The National Podcast of Texas. Find a new conversation with a Texas newsmaker or legend every Monday at texasmonthly.com or wherever you find your podcasts. This is Emily Ramshaw here on Wednesday, October 23rd with the Texas Tribune Tribcast, our weekly Texas politics and policy podcast. I'm joined this week by snarky CEO Evan Smith. I did not get involved with the Texas Tribune 10 years ago starting this business so that I'd have to listen to Andy Langer's voice. Apparently Andy Langer's got a great voice. Executive editor Ross Ramsey. God. Howdy. Hi, Ross. And political reporter Cassie Pollack. Good afternoon. She's not just political reporter Cassie Pollack. What, what would what? you like to? She's the Bob Woodward of Bongazi. <laughs> oh, Evan, poor. Come on. I'm bad for you. everybody now. <laughs> I know. As I'm always, sorry. folks, we're going to take your questions uh, in real time on Twitter and Facebook. You can do that using the hashtag TribCast. Didn't she kill it this week as a reporter? Of course she kills it every Hi, week. We're here to reporter. discuss TribCast. She did. Uh, she also gets very embarrassed when people talk about how great Which she is. Which is why we're doing it. It's yes. great. It's the TribCassie. Come oh, on. Oh, good one. You like that one? I just that made that up. The, in, that I made that up in the moment. That was a dad joke winner. It was. Seriously. Hashtag dad joke. Okay, uh, big news from Bonin World uh, this week, uh, where the House of Cards totally crumbled. Uh, Cassie, tell us about the drama and intrigue of this week, and you also wrote the ultimate TikTok on this today, which you all should be reading if you haven't already. So tell us what happened. Right, thank you. So uh, House GOP caucus met on Friday. What was supposed to be a 45-minute meeting ended up being hours long. Uh, calls for resignation kind of started piling on. And yesterday, it all seemed to kind of come to a head when Dennis Bonin announced that he would not be seeking re-election to the lower chamber and consequently, consequent, consequently, there we go, yeah. uh, to the speakership. So that's where we're at. Three months in the making. Hey, good summary. Well, I know. You managed to do that really quickly. So I what, tried. What was the turning point when Bonin realized he couldn't hang on? Where this I think it was the, the five chairmen. I'm going to just assert without proof that when the five chairmen or the four chairmen plus John Frulo, right. when the five bigs came out at about nine o'clock on what night was it? Uh, Monday. Monday. Monday night. And said, we can no longer support this guy as speaker. That was like... Barry Goldwater going to the White House to tell Nixon. Except that it happened before that. It happened well, they went during the day, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, they went to see him during the day, but we right. all got word of it in the evening. Yeah, it essentially opened the floodgates for uh, any sort of, any House member who was on the bubble considering calling for either the Speaker's resignation or new, new leadership or whatever. Uh, that statement from those five House members. Uh, yeah, we kept them. wondering what, who, who's, who's uh, ditching of Bonin? Would be the, the straw would, that would, broke the camel's would back. Would be the the break in the mm -hmm. in the dam. Right? The newsroom conversation on Monday morning, I guess, was you know um, who's going to be Goldwater. And didn't we say we actually did say? I mean, I think well, a few people, few of us said four. We thought four price. Well, there were not. There were names floating around. You know, four price was in there. Huberty was in there. Larson. Larson was in there. And who were and who were the five? Huberty, Larson, Four Price, Patty, Patty, Frulo. and then John Frulo. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when those five, it it did seem like a cascade. 
Right. After at that, their statement at, after came After that out? five, uh, those five came out in their statement on Monday evening. And again, they'd gone to see him during the day. That's correct. Right. But when the statement came out, at that point then, Phil King bailed. Sarah, Sarah Davis. Davis bailed. Hugh Shine bailed. I mean, it was just a, it was one after another. At that point, I think, I think in a 12-hour period between Monday at 9 and the morning on Tuesday, 10% of House Republicans bailed on the, on the speaker. And so of those, of those initial five, or those five that really sort of where the dam broke, what, do we have a sense of what for them was the turning point? I mean, was there one element of what was on the tape that really yeah. was, you know, the, the point of no return? Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a question of what prompted a 9 p.m. Monday statement to come from those five, especially given the fact that, you know, everything seemed to kind of uh, be playing out behind the scenes Friday during this caucus meeting. I, you know, obviously members are suggesting that, uh, you know, told us in our reporting that they were unhappy with the way that that caucus meeting played out, uh, both from the speaker himself and from folks close to him. Yeah, but you're right. Why nine o'clock on a Monday? Right. right. That's what I'm wondering. Cause if it, something because it takes a committee a long time to write. I mean, you know, <laughs> but nine o'clock. It took on a, a long Monday. time to put it out. There was a there was an initial flare of hey something's coming. Wait a minute. Hey something's coming. Wait a minute. You know, and mm-hmm. and I'm sure that it was you know somebody got nervous about this word or that word. I know there were at least two communications people in it. You know, one version of this statement came from Huberty's campaign with Alan Blakemore as a spokesperson. One came from Four Price's campaign with Sylvia Nugent as a spokesperson. Alan Blakemore's name on this statement was like another one of those well, details but, that I just loved so well, much. Because everybody thought that was the only statement. Right. It, it wasn't. It Here are five people who are up. ditching the speaker. Please, if you have any questions, contact the lieutenant governor's spokesperson. Right. So okay, so if we don't know exactly what pushed those five over the edge, what do you all think pushed them over the edge? I think that there was just a realization, uh, you know, sometime bef- between uh, Friday after the caucus meeting when everybody went back home and started calling each other, uh, you know, to Monday night where the caucus Republicans in the House are never going to be able to unify again under the Speaker. That's my. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, the Democrats couldn't stay in. The conservatives, by which I mean like the Tea Party conservatives, wouldn't stay in. And I think, you know, the thing that got a lot of rank and file Republican members really nervous was the strength of the attack on the cities and counties. You know, right. if you go home and you're declaring for reelection and you want to do it in front of a bank of mayors and county judges and county commissioners and all your pals back home, it's hard to say, you know, help me get reelected so we can stop right. your guts. So I could go in and, and serve right. under a speaker who said, "I'm my goal is to make this the worst legislative session in the history and of the world. And then for him to, to pieces, right? I mean, what was the timing of him, of Bonin coming out on Twitter and like sort of walking it back, but also not fully walking it back? It was back? kind of that morning, wasn't right. it? Right. I mean, I wonder if it, that... It came that evening, Monday evening, the, right, right before the statement came out. And I kind of viewed that as the speaker's team knew that this statement was going to be public at 9 p.m. This was one of their last, you know, hey, let's put this out there. Let's make it, let's try to make whatever, you know, we said on that recording clear or offer explanations. Emily, you asked what was the, what was the thing? Mm -hmm. Here was the thing. The tape was worse than advertised. Right. Well, and I, I want to talk the about the tape was worse than advertised. I yep. sat there, I sat there listening to that tape. I couldn't believe it. And you know, there'd been this whole is Michael Sullivan telling the truth? Is the speaker telling the truth? Speaker calling for the tape to come out. Dustin Burroughs calling for the tape to come out. Logically, you say to yourself, they were in the room. They know what they said. Why would they be calling for the tape to come out to clear the air unless the tape was 
uh, exculpatory. Better for him. Than Better for them. Yeah, they gamble. They they took a gamble, and you know they, that it, it was never going to come I, out. It reminded right. me. I know we talked about this last week, Cassie, oh, yeah. on the podcast. It reminded me of the Trump White House so eager to put out the notes of the Ukraine call, mm. thinking it would exonerate them. Right. And it right. actually ended up being worse. This tape was worse. Well, and also worse. I mean, is it? I mean, isn't it fair to say that Bonin lied? Yeah. I mean, you know, he misrepresented. He said, you know, the first call, the yeah. first calls, you know, and we ran a tape of these these uh, of one of the calls. The first calls to members were what he what Sullivan says I said is not what I said. And, you know, are you going to believe him or me? And you know, I just think in the now end, that we it have the about, record, it was Sullivan was telling the truth, Bonin was not telling the truth. Which, we, we, we published a story, I believe it was the Alexa Ura Emma Platoff story that mopped up some of this. We published a bunch of these over the last couple of days, but it said basically at the end of the day, it came down to trust. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that when you heard the tape and you considered how the speaker had characterized what was going to be on that tape in advance of all of us hearing it, you walked away thinking, guy didn't tell the truth, guy can't be trusted. How would you be in a position to trust him as your leader? Again, right. yeah, and I I'm think, assuming that they just concluded that it wasn't going to work. Yeah, a lot right. of, I mean, a lot of members, you know, even if you could get past the actual recording itself, couldn't get past the fact that the speaker or someone his from his office had, uh, you know, what they characterized as outright lied to them in the yeah. immediate aftermath of this. Uh, he did outright lie. I mean, I think he outright, you know, lied to the members. I think he lied to, you know, the media and the statements of what this was or wasn't going to be. How did he think he could survive this? One of the first rules of crisis communications is own the mistake, Mm -hmm. own the problem, say, yeah, I screwed up, I really made a mess of this, how can I fix it? And we never have got to that. They never admitted, you know, flatly that they, you know, this was a screw-up from the get-go, and then they screwed up the screw-up. They covered it up, they lied about it, they hedged, you know, they hemmed, they hawed, and here we are. Did Dustin Burroughs lie? Bustin, Dustin Burroughs said... Bustin, Bustin Duros. Duros. Burroughs. Yeah, D, like DB1 DB like and DB2. Bustin Duros. He, he, he lied to the extent that when he went on radio Chad and broke Hasty, his right. silence, mm-hmm. he mm. said that this list... He he you know he said that it was very off the cuff, but when in the recording, it's pretty on the cuff. It's honestly. not off the cuff. Both all. him right. and the speaker. You know, the speaker's saying 10 more moderate Republicans, referencing a list. Because uh, he's apparently going to run, is he not? He told a group in Sweetwater yesterday that he's going to run. He's planning to run. So he's not seeing this as somehow fatal to his own. Well, he has time roster. to change his mind, too. Mm-hmm. You know, but to Cassie's point, you know, he said on this Chad Hasty radio show uh, back when he broke his silence that, you know, I didn't know this was coming. Bonin kind of grabbed me in the hall and pulled me into the meeting. But it's clear when you listen to the tape, he had, you know, excuse me while I open my briefcase and get out this file. And here's these names. You know, I've got this list I've prepared. This is the list taken from the vote sheet on the taxpayer-funded lobbying bill, yada, yada. I mean, he was prepped. Do you remember, do any of you remember your predictions three months ago on whether uh, Bonin was going to survive this or not? I've not been on this I'd, podcast I'd, before. I don't, want to get trapped, I don't want to get trapped in a perjury charge. I'm so just going to no, tell you that Evan thought, like Bonin, Evan thought that Bonin would survive. I, I, I defend that position. I do. I think that he could have survived. How? I think because if, if he had eaten this. If he had owned it. If he had said, you know what, you're right. I did get a little bit out of my skis in terms of the politics of a the little session. Bit. All right, look, that, yeah. that would have been, you, I'm going to just, I'm going to own it. My, your, I'm owning it myself. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, I, 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 as opposed to, to effectively uh, dissembling about what was on the recording and, and, and banking that somehow you could 
bully your way through the months to come. Own it. Right. Acknowledge. Go before your members and say, you know, I apologize. And get back to the business of rebuilding trust, which is hard to do once you've uh, said X and then the tape comes out and it's the opposite of X. And now suddenly you're saying to people, I know that you couldn't trust me when I just said this, but now you should trust me going forward. I'd, I'd I mean, probably argue like, that he was ineffectively dissembling, but, you know. Point, for point the taken. record, I said he would go and Ross waffled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for Just the record, for posterity. I'm awesome. I like that everybody knew for sure. I'm, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, okay. Uh, we're going to stick with this, and we have a whole bunch of questions coming in. But before we do, uh, I'd like to thank two more TribCast sponsors. The Texas Bankers Association, which represents about 500 banks across Texas. Learn why Texas banks are the heart of the community at texasbankers.com. And Methodist Healthcare Ministries, which is dedicated to creating access to health care for uninsured and low-income families in South Texas through healthcare services, advocacy, and strategic grant making. Learn more at mhm.org. You sound like you could use access to health today. I absolutely could. Sorry about this voice. Yes, thanks for rubbing it in. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, thanks okay. for reminding me that I was wrong. <laughs> I, that's what I'm here for. You are. That's right. So what does any of this mean for Republicans trying to maintain control of the House at an increasingly precarious time? Uh, as Bill Miller said in uh, Patrick Svitek's story yesterday, the quarterback and coach have been taken off the field. It's going to be harder for them to raise money. And the person who goes out in front of you and effectively runs the coordinated campaign for a party, you know, the party leaders, it's Dan Patrick in the Senate, it's Dennis Bonin in the House, the person who's at the first to shake your hand at the door at a fundraiser at the Austin Club for your reelection bid is the Speaker of the House. Now that seat is empty. And so. Or the governor's going to have to get super engaged. So you're going to have to, you, you've got a situation where you might have raised X amount of money and now you're going to raise something less than X. So, you know, it's hard to put a real hard number you on. You take a check if you're a member in a primary from the speaker. I don't think pack. they do that. I think there's an easy way to launder that money. The question here is that. <laughs> well, launder. The, well, it is laundry. The, the easy way to do that, the speaker put $3 million into, is it called Texas Leads, the PAC? Texas Leads uh, And now the members, you know, want to be clean from that. Texas Leads gives $3 million to, you know, Associated Republicans of Texas and Republicans for good stuff and Republicans for other good so stuff. So Jamie McWright now take, decides who gets and, the money. And then you take the money from those and it's clean right. and it's laundered. I mean, that part's easy. The problem is raising the money that you would have otherwise right. raised. You know, Bonin was on a streak here. They came out of a really good session. Mm -hmm. He's a brand new speaker. Everybody who wasn't on the train is getting on the late train. He's raising money like crazy. Without this, he goes through this season and into the primaries, still raising money like crazy, and into November doing the same. Now, you know, we have, you know, um, fundraising interrupt us. And so what does this mean uh, beyond that for the work of the legislature in the interim? I mean, obviously, they have a lot to get done. They've got a lame duck now at the helm. Um, will speaker politics end up, you know, Well, we don't have we don't interim? have an appropriations chair, for one thing. Right. Which is important. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to appoint an appropriations chair. Is the lame duck speaker going to appoint an appropriations chair? Does he get chair? to do it? He does. Yeah, he does. this is still the speaker's duty. You know, one of the eligibles, one of the Republicans on that committee is his brother, which would be interesting politics. <laughs> um, not so a good they've got to have somebody. Not a good look. Somebody, the Bobby Kennedy of the right. of They've got to have somebody to replace John Zerwas. And, you know, it's a $250 billion budget, and you, most of the prep is done before the session. So they need somebody there. There are three open seats in the House, I guess, up for special election right now. Those people will be assigned to committees. That's not as major. And then the big thing is these, uh, or two big things, they're interim committees 
that the speaker and lieutenant governor name interim charges. Mm -hmm. Here's your homework before the next session. Draft the legislation on X, Y, and Z, you know, for each of the 35 or 40 committees. And, you know, that's, you know, imminent, I would think. You know, so he'll do that. And then there are some executive duties. If there are, um, you know, money moving around, bond review board, all of that kind of stuff. You know, I think most of this is non-political. Uh, but, but, but there is an aspect of it that is political. And here's where oh, I want to turn to the BW of B, oh. Bob Woodward of Benghazi. Oh. And that is, so the speaker put out his announcement. I'm only saying it because I know how uncomfortable it makes you. That's what I'm doing. Um, We're the, uncomfortable. The, the speaker comes out with his announcement yesterday morning, Kate Meisenheimer does, and says, you know, speaker's out. And he lists 43 people who helped him get to yes on stepping away. Most of the people on that list were not people who were out publicly calling for his resignation. There were some on that list who had just before this, like got, got out right before. Leach, Patterson, Briscoe Kane, Valerie Swanson. There were a handful of people on there who had called for, but most of them were people who had not. He specifically calls out those 43. He does not mention any of the people who called for his resignation publicly. So are those people now in timeout as far as it relates to any appointments to committees? Like, mm. like what's, there what are politics at work here. It's, well, you I mean, know what it means. The speaker is yeah. effectively in timeout. Well, but is the speaker, so, but is the speaker so pissed at for price, Dan Huberty, the people who came out over the yeah. last few days to call for his resignation and ultimately yeah. forced his hand that when it comes to appointing an appropriations chair, appointing interim charges, blah, blah, blah. Yeah that he has now a good, a nice list and a naughty list? Like what, what's I mean, the story? I just, uh, so a couple of different theories, you know, a couple people who have obviously, you know, members, staffers kind of viewed this list as, uh, you know, Bonin's mad, he's on his way out the door, here's kind of his last jab at the body. Um, and this list is, you know, his brother's on it, a bunch of his, you know, top allies are on it is this list was this list created so that these members could go back home to their districts and essentially have political cover should they be asked about this oh yeah i helped ask the speaker to step aside um or is there a deeper meaning to this and is there a member on this list who uh bonin has in mind to succeed him uh behind the gavel and could this member in theory get a majority of the gop caucus 43 members on this list you know a majority of the caucus uh to, to claim uh, victory, uh, you know, tomorrow or three months from now or a year from I'm now. I'm just confused so, about what this list is. And as you and I talked about yesterday, Cassie, there's the 43, and then there's about 30 who called for him to, to resign, but there are 83 are not Republicans. So then there's like a third list right. of people who didn't have the good sense to call on him to resign. Didn't call on him to resign, but also didn't make the, the approved Bonin. I mean, it's like, a, it's what, what do you make of this? I think the only list that matters is the list of 10 people that Bonin and Burroughs went after in the original tape. And everybody else is going to, oh, yeah, that, that list thing, never mind. I don't, you know, he's not operating anymore from so a position. So Travis Clardy is going to be appropriation he's operating. Here? He's operating now from a position of title and not of power. And, and he doesn't, the power in this thing is ministerial until the end, and that's about it. Oh, but the appropriations committee, I, I would disagree only in this respect. The appropriations committee chair appointment is power. Our, our readers, our listeners care less about the appropriations. I'm going to ask you some of the questions that our readers are yeah, sending fine. in right now. <laughs> fine. So Guy asks, What does Tyler N. want to know? What no does Matt M. want to know? They're not on here today. Okay. Guy wants to know, who is in the best position to be speaker, assuming the GOP actually keeps the House? 
Uh, I think you start with the list of people that finished second last time. You know, four prize, Travis Clardy, Trent Ashby, Phil King. You start with that list, and then you start hacking away at how the caucus sees this. What we really don't know yet <clears throat> is the conversations out loud and quietly conducted during the four hours that the House Republican Caucus was trying to sort this out last Friday and sort of where they are with each other. You could see it a little bit when, you know, this is weird and it's reading tea leaves, but when they came out of that room and they were standing, just like the whole Republican Caucus was standing in the valet line at the Barton Creek <laughs> Country Club waiting for their cars, and you could see how they were grouped and kind of go, uh, that's interesting who Goldman's talking to, that's interesting who Clardy's talking to, look at where Patty's standing. You could sort of do that kind of stuff. I think they're in the same place they were with a little bit more knowledge about how to do a speaker's race two years ago when Joe Strauss got out. I want to let Cassie go, and then I want to just take them a second. With, I have a sure, of course. You, you go. What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, the names that keep coming up are, are names that Ross mentioned. For Price, you know, he, he was among these House, these five House Republicans for a reason. Chris Patty, uh, Dade Phelan, Craig Goldman. Um, just names that we were hearing last time that are still kind of coming back up. Trent Ashby, obviously, he was out with a statement pretty early on with all this, saying that the speaker needs to step aside. Um, Evan? I think we live in the United States of overcorrection. I'm going to say it again. I think you the, the pendulum swings and you react to a, a moment like this by wanting to do the thing at the exact opposite point in the pendulum. Who is the least bonany person plausible for price stephanie click i you go pick to, a name you yeah. can make up well, a name you know, I go, i'm gonna waffle I, my too mind when you do candidly this in four my months. mind <laughs> goes to my mind goes to four price first yeah. four price seems like a glass of milk at bedtime compared to where we've been comforting can't wait to see his bumper sticker in the next re-election <laughs> right four price <laughs> but i think but glass look, of milk. Milk. who doesn't like milk a lot of people. Aren't you vegan? Stop. No. Still, no, I don't mean it literally. But the point it's like is... like a glass of soy milk. It's, it's, Unless you're lactose you, intolerant. What, you, what yeah. you want is you want um, comforting, non-controversial. Kind. You, you want something that is the opposite of where we've been. You want the opposite you of want, what's on that table. You want somebody who talks the same in private as they do in public. Joe what? Strauss. <laughs> he's he's available. I hear yeah. he's available. <laughs> right. They haven't declared but, yet. But Steve of course, Allison the irony the aside. irony of this, one of the many ironies of this, is that you finally had an issue on which Sarah Davis and Matt Schaefer agreed. And so the next speaker choice is going to have to be somebody who satisfies enough people in the party, presumably is satisfactory to the artist formerly known as the Freedom Caucus. Right. Right. And also the people who are the more traditional business Republicans through whose districts control of the Texas House goes next time. You know, you've got these um, fade-to-blue suburban Republicans who are kind of at the opposite point uh, from the Schaefer's Toth's Canes. And the choice within the Republican Party as to who the speaker is is going to have to adequately address the persistent fear that those fade-to-bluesters have in the next election. And as we've written, and I give Matthew Watkins, our political editor, credit for advancing this idea to the point of there being a story, the Democratic Party is going to be disproportionately influential 
even if they only remain at 67 in the decision of who the next speaker is, because there's not going to be a stampede to associate with a Dennis Bonin as there was last time out of the Democratic Party. They're hoping that they take control of the House, in which case their glass of milk <laughs> is going to be the glass of milk. Right. Or if failing that, they're going to want to associate with somebody who they think gives them something because mm -hmm. they now do have some cards, if not many cards. The House will be close enough after the next election, whether it's Democratic or Republican, I think it'll be Republican, but whether whichever party has it, the next speaker is going to have to have a dozen people from the other party. Mm -hmm. Right. All right, so uh, Amanda asks, I feel like Michael Quinn Sullivan is getting off light here. Are there any implications for him or Empower Texans, good, bad, or otherwise? They're not going to uh, get media mess. credentials in the House next time. <laughs> That's for damn sure. Well, and he's going to get padded <laughs> down before every meeting. What do you, you know, you're wearing a wire. Are people even going to take meetings with him? Are we recording this conversation, no. by the way? No. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, I, yeah, they'll take meetings with him, but I think they're not going to be trustworthy. You know, Dennis Bonin got bit by a snake, and it turns out the snake was right, but it's still a snake. And I think they're going to regard him as an untrustworthy confidant because he's, been, he's proven himself to be an untrustworthy confidant. Is that bad for his brand, though? Not necessarily. It's bad for him inside. It's not bad outside. I mean, he's got a fundraising letter already written here. But how big was his brand going to be this election cycle anyway? I think that was like the question on everybody's minds. If you were just kind of looking at what happened during the session, you certainly couldn't make a good case that, you know, the brand was the, the hardline conservative brand was at all influential or got many successes. I think that was kind of what in was fact, on everyone's In fact, life. it's revived, right? They couldn't get the taxpayer-funded lobbying bill through, but they got the speaker, right? I mean, in some ways... <clears throat> Right. I mean, in a lot of ways, Michael Sullivan had been sidelined or marginalized. Empower had been marginalized. The moderate Republicans were cheering the end of Empower's influence. He made himself. And now he took a speaker down. This is the first line of his obituary. But that's like, but that's like being an assassin. That's different from being influential. So, you know what? Frank Nitti had a pretty happy life. He made, he made himself right? more dangerous without making himself more trustworthy. Right, but I think, but that's okay. I don't think he was but, trustworthy before. But I guess my question is, if you if you take this assassin approach, that doesn't make you more influential with voters. Right, right. And that's the influence I'm asking about, or I think Amanda is asking about. Right. I mean, I, I definitely think that there was a question of, is the Republican Party going back to moderating itself, especially after the session? What role do the, you know, Joanne Flemings, Julie McCarty's, Michael Quinn Sullivan's play in these primaries, in these general elections? And... You know, I think there was a healthy amount of skepticism on that. I still think there is a healthy amount of skepticism on that because I don't know how much the average voter cares that Michael Quinn Sullivan, in a sense, took down, took the, down speaker. the speaker. I don't think Not in, in a sense. sense. I think took in a, down the speaker. Took down the speaker. I mean, yeah. I think that's right. I just, I, I think that you know the, you you can take Bonin down and think this was a you know, right. a, a fair takedown, and also believe that. Um, Sullivan's not to be trusted. I mean, is you know, would you take the meeting? Would you pat him down and look for the wire? Uh, can you trust him in a meeting? Can, can I, I can think I the revise, that's no. Can I revise what I said? Michael Quinn Sullivan did not take down Dennis Bonin. Dennis Bonin, Dennis Bonin, Dennis Bonin took down Dennis, took Bonin. Down that's Dennis Bonin. That's why I said in a sense. Well, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> yes. Okay. Cassie was right. Cassie was right. Yes. He he removed the manhole cover and Bonin stepped in. Yeah, you don't fall yeah. down to you don't fall down to manhole unless you step in. Right. You wanted to talk about Abbott and homelessness and the Castro We're not going to get to right? those things because what we also have to talk about is what is next for Dennis Bonnet. 
I think he's a City banker of from Angleton. Homelessness czar. <laughs> I think he's a. And he'd have to be an avid appointee, probably. I think he's that. a banker from Angleton. You know, I think that's that. So and this he is just it. Sold this his is bank. his legacy. Well, he's he said he's going to not run for re-election, and if you run for another office, this is going to be the first thing in your campaign. This is the one item in the brown envelope of opposition research from whatever opponent. Maybe it was you yesterday, but you're saying, I mean, you know, kind of re-upping the fact that he's spent over half of his life in the ledge. I mean, literally half his life elected and more than half his life because he was a sergeant before. Okay. Right. Right. Which, I mean, that's, you know, just to think about the scope of that for a second, to spend, to devote that much of your life to something and to be taken down like this, where this is, you know, where this is truly probably the end of your political career. It's pretty enormous. There's yeah, it's a, lot a of gravity it's a, there. It's a yeah, it's a it's a tragic fall. I mean, it's you know, and they were at such a peak. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, he and Abbott and Patrick at such a peak after the session. You know, everything was working, everything was set. Um, it had gone according to plan. Yeah, they were. He was sailing. What did you think, by the way, of Abbott's and Patrick's statements after Bonin's announcement? Just viewed it as, hey, let's focus on 2020. We still have a job to do here, and that's to win some seats back in the House. And, uh, you know. Well, at least in the case of the lieutenant governor's statement, what there was not was a lot of warmth toward Bonin. There was, you know, there's a, there's a way to leave a gathering or a party that I've always heard called an Irish goodbye where you don't say goodbye to everybody. You just sort that's, of just That's what Evan does. I do that. I've done that like for yeah. 53 years. Well, right. And I think, <laughs> don't that, invite I think, Evan that, to your parties. I think that's a, not a bad description of what the governor and the lieutenant governor did here. They just, you know, you look up at some point in the party and you go, Yoink. hey, where? Those guys are gone. <laughs> right. Zip, zip. Well, we're about to do an Irish goodbye here are on we? this trip exactly. cast. That's all the time we have. Thanks to Texas Monthly, Texas A&M University, Methodist Healthcare Ministries, and the Texas Bankers Association, our sponsors this week. And extra special thanks to Spoon for our theme music. On behalf of Evan, Ross, Cassie, and our producers, Michael, Ray, and Bobby, this is Emily. Thanks for listening.